0: Welcome back to Jumping Around, a podcast about American steeplechase racing hosted by thisishorseracing.com. Today's guests are Terry Hasseltine of the Maryland Stadium Authority and Ross Petticord of the Maryland Horse Industry Board. They're here to talk about Fair Hill, a place with many meanings to the horse industry and the state of Maryland. First of all, Fair Hill is a state natural resources property of more than 5,000 acres. Second, it's home to any number of horse sports. The Fair Hill races, Fair Hill International three-day event, Horse trials, horse shows, fox hunting, trail rides, and on and on. Fairhill owes its existence to William DuPont Jr., who purchased and connected individual farms in Cecil County in the 1930s to create a fox hunting preserve and a steeplechase racecourse. Fairhill is also home to the world-class Fairhill Training Center, which helped produce Thoroughbred Stars, Barbaro, Animal Kingdom, Union Rags, Main Sequence, Miss Temple City, and dozens of others. Fairhill also includes the headquarters of the National Steeplechase Association and the Thurbird Racing Protective Bureau, plus Fasig-Tipton's Mid-Atlantic office and even the home office of your podcast provider, thisishorseracing.com. Long story short, Fairhill means horses to Maryland, and that meaning has taken on greater importance over the past year with efforts by the Maryland Horse Industry Board, the Stadium Authority, and others to revamp the outdoor event space. A public-private partnership now calls for a significant investment in the property with eyes on a new four-star event, additional racing days, a steeplechase training center, and more, all to benefit the horse industry in Maryland and the region. Ross and Terry took a few minutes out of a busy week in October to talk about some of the early work being done. Okay, we're here with uh, Ross Petticord with Maryland Horse Industry Board and uh, Terry Hasseltine with Maryland Stadium Authority, talking a little about Fair Hill. And um, uh, start with you, Ross. I know this goes to the, goes back to some of the early horse park studies in Maryland and uh, what to do with Fair Hill and how did it come to be? Well, actually, it goes about
1: 15 years ago, back to 2004, when Marylanders decided they wanted a horse, wanted a horse park like Kentucky's. So a lot of studies were done, and Fairhill came forward then, and for a lot of reasons, that horse park was never built. It was going to be at the Naval Academy Dairy Farm. Fairhill was the runner-up at that point. And, uh but that was never built. And then we re-examined that whole issue again uh, about 2010, 2011, when I, I came on board, and we thought, well, let's revisit this horse park study, but maybe take a different tact and see what we have here in Maryland already and maybe try to improve those facilities and do a horse park system. And Maryland's a small state. It's not real big. And so it's compact enough where um, it's like an Olympic venue where you have Fair Hill, which has all the great outdoor events, three-day eventing, the steeplechase course, et cetera, And then the Prince George Equestrian Center, which is a big indoor show facility, booked all year round with horse shows and even have a rodeo there, and see whether we can tie this all together. So we did the studies, and RFP went out, and sure enough, Fairhill put in to be a field event venue, and Prince George Equestrian Center put in to be the indoor expo and show venue. And another component is the cultural and education part of it, We had some uh, responses to that. None of them seemed uh, to meet the criteria that the Stadium Authority had set up. So, uh, and this study was done through the Maryland Stadium Authority. So we kind of put that on hold and put our attention to Fairhill and Prince George Equestrian Center. So the report comes out in 2015, and we started with Fairhill, and we started a task force up here. Got all the stakeholders together, the races, the three-day event, the fair people, and started looking through the report. And one of the first things we did was put the report aside and use it as a reference and started committees of what we what needed to be done short-term here with all three of those major equestrian events, and then figure out some long-term plans. And short-term, you know, the races had been taken over, the steeplechase races, by the local horsemen. Uh, Union Hospital used to do that, and and they were out of the picture. So they needed to pump up their effort for the races. The three-day event group needed live streaming. Where they are now, they can't live stream. They're way back in the back of the park. And the fair wanted uh, tunnels under Route 273 to enhance the foot traffic coming over and and easing the traffic situation uh, for their crowd, which is 70,000 people during the end of July. So those were the short-term things. And then we had some long-term things. Well, in the middle of us all meeting, and we had about three meetings, and everyone was getting along All of a sudden, a bid proposal came from the USEF for another four-star, three-day event. There are only six of these in the world. There's only one in the U.S., Rolex in Kentucky, and they wanted another one, the FEI, in uh, the U.S. That's a big project, and that's when we went back to the Stadium Authority and said, we need your help, and put in a bid for this. And after that, everything just accelerated. It was an exhaustive bid process. And Terry's here to tell you a little bit how that all went and how that's progressing. And lo and behold, we did win the bid.
0: <laughs> now, Ross touched on it. It really did speed up the process. I think uh, being in on some of those early discussions, it was more like, oh, would this work? Maybe we'll go here. We'll try this. We'll try that. And then the next thing you know, it's uh, you really get to work. And so, yeah, where does Maryland Stadium Authority fit in? People probably know it for the Orioles and the Ravens and those types of projects. But where does it fit in in Fair Hill?
2: Well, it, it falls into a couple categories. First and foremost, the, the proposal that we submitted for the, the four star event worked through the Maryland Sports Commission, which is the agency in which I oversee, which is a division of the stadium authority. And then there's the development construction component of it, which is the where our Capital Projects Group is overseeing and managing um, that asset of the project. But going back to what Ross was talking about, so the, the RFP hits the market, Fair Hill International starts reviewing and evaluating, brings in Ross from the you know, the horse industry board to assess and evaluate. And that's when the team realized that there is an entity in the, the Sports Commission for the state that understands how big-time proposals, you know, because of our success with Army, Navy, our success with um, some other world-class events, we were brought in and we were engaged, realizing that the timeline was really short. So myself and, um, you know, Carla with Fair Hill International flew to Denver to meet with Populous. And during that meeting with Populous, if you look at the Horse Park System study, what we're proposing today for Fairhill is different than what was originally in the study because the dynamics of the components that we needed for the four-star could work in the grounds if we could develop the grounds a little differently. And we exercised that same exercise we did with the task force where we started engaging all the stakeholders from Denver. Carl and I were calling the various stakeholders. If we did this, would you guys like to do that? And if we did this, would it work? And if we did this? So every discipline and every group that uses parceling got a phone call from us to ensure that when we proposed putting rings inside of the infield, we talked about making the track not long and linear, but shorter and stockier. That really appealed to the the, the steeplechase community and the turf flat course folks. And then the fair got more ground, plus the discussion of the tunnels. Next thing you know, we had a consensus of user groups wanting to evolve the project, which then expedited our ability to go after the four-star. And we went after the four-star with an aggressive approach, which was, you know, if we're going to get in, we're going to get it in to win it. And we started hitting all the variables and engaging all the right folks, realizing that we were going to have to establish a public-private partnership long-term, the Fair Hill Foundation, which I know you're going to be communicating with them in, in future podcasts, to really figure out was there enough synergies there from the, the public and the private side. And right now, right now in the state of Maryland, there is a lot of energy about the four-star and its ability and the transformation that's going to happen here at, at Fair Hill. And the private sector, as too, is marching right along. It's a really great playbook that's going on right now. And we're really excited that in 19, we're going to host this first four-star. But the winner are all the user groups because we're evolving this great aesthetic parcel of land into what I think was originally the vision of it. And to host an event of this magnitude and giving all of our stakeholders a better place to compete, to train, to call home. And we're excited to be a part of it. And the stadium authority right now is undergoing the master planning process, along with Populous and Crossroads, to assess and evaluate with our stakeholders how the phasing of this growth product, because in 19, we're not going to have everything done. And if we did, that would be a miracle. But we're going to have the basic fundamental components in place, the irrigation and the turf course realigned and and redeveloped along with the uh, new grandstands is in the early part of phase one, and then in the rings coming along. And then phase two is the tunnel and the judges tower and a couple other components. And then phase three is all of the other ancillary bells and whistles that are necessary for uh, some of the other stakeholders who might not necessarily use this for the track or for the three-day event, but they'll use it for other purposes. And I think it's, what's really exciting about this also is this is a project about everybody. And it's about everybody still getting access to the grounds, everybody still getting a chance to use it. We just are strategically placing and planning it in a much more stronger capacity so that it can be maximized for what the capabilities of it can be.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that, I mean, the place goes back so far to the Willie DuPont in the 1930s and... There's this history to it, but then it's this evolving kind of new facelift, basically. And I would imagine he'd be like, Oh oh yeah. I couldn't have possibly imagined that, but I get it. You know, and, and I think that's probably listening to you guys, how important is that? I mean, do you do you keep that legacy in mind as you're doing these kinds of things?
2: I think the history of this area and these grounds is critical to how we evolve it and develop it long term, because there was a vision when the the land was originally owned by the DuPonts, and then when it was, you know, sold to the state. Something about keeping the, the legacy and the traditions that a lot of people have here at Bear hill they're important to engage into the fabric of what is new. But we also realize that if we don't take this next progressive step with the grounds and interconnect some of the user groups that are here, well, an opportunity that is for the greater good of Cecil County, the greater good for Maryland, and the greater good for the Mid-Atlantic region will have passed us by. And 20 years from now, we'd be kicking ourselves if we didn't take this action today. And the really cool part is there's so many people all wanting to add a page to this playbook. And it's all coming together like a really nice jigsaw puzzle. We got the border framed out now, and we're starting to insert all the middle pieces. So the picture is getting clearer and clearer by every time we put another puzzle piece in. And hopefully within the next 24 months to 36 months, you're really going to see that puzzle really come together, and there's going to be a lot of happy people here in Cecil County, the state of Maryland, and the Mid-Atlantic region.
0: Yeah, it's a fascinating concept to see it sort of come to life and get developed. People will come to the races here forever. And, and Joe,
1: the Horse Industry Board, we were founded 20 years ago, sort of for economic development of the horse industry, as well as a regulatory body. And we license riding stables and commercial stables that give riding lessons aboard horses. We have about 800 of those in Maryland. We're the only state that do that, but The economic development part of it is we look what's happening around Maryland with Mr. Bellissimo developing Wellington. Now he's developing Tryon, the Roberts family in Columbus with Roberts Arena and what he's building in Ocala. Marylanders, I know some dressage folks have already moved to Tryon. Some of our larger dressage stables have moved down there. So we have got to do this to keep our industry vibrant here and to sustain it. There's no question that it has to be done. It's just like what we have with the racetracks in Maryland. They're old. Maryland has been doing this sort of equestrian sport for, what, three or four centuries, almost? I mean, you know, we were... I wasn't sp- here then, and yeah. you, so I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm old, but <laughs> yeah, I may have been. But anyway, uh, you know, it's, it was the birthplace of fox hunting in 1650 and thoroughbred racing in the early 1700s. I mean, before there was even a country, this horse industry was here for a century. So all of our facilities are old. And as new states or our neighboring states are building all of these multi-million dollar new complexes, it makes us look shabby chic. Maybe not even chic, maybe just shabby, you know? And so We've got to do it, not only with Pimlico and Laurel, and you can see the investment they're talking about and are already putting in there, but Fair Hill's been around almost 100 years, so it's got to be updated. And the same with Prince George's Equestrian Center. They're 25 years old. I think every sports stadium after 30 years is either torn down and rebuilt or refurbished in a big way. So that's next to come up, and we're starting to work down there with them and developing a plan of action for them. But even now, and even the Mountain Police in Baltimore City are building a new stable. Their stable is forty or fifty years old, and Columbia Horse Center is forty or fifty years old. They're going to be renovating that about a two million dollar project. I'm meeting with Potomac Horse Center, which is fifty years old. They need a $2 million facelift, and that's owned by Montgomery County government. So it's it's statewide, and we're just old here, <laughs> and we need a facelift. And that's what's happening, and we're in the middle of it now. And what's exciting is that so many people are stepping up to the plate to do this.
0: No, and it's marrying horses with economic growth and everything yeah. else, and then, then the development becomes worthwhile. Right. From exactly. Fair Hill, we're, uh, we're October 2017 now, so what is— What's what's happening now in terms of Fair Hill and, and what's going to happen, say in the next twelve months?
2: Okay. Well currently while we're speaking, obviously the three star is due to quote three star is happening here at Fair Hill. So currently Populous along with RK and K um, and some of our strategic partners are master planning property between now and the end of October.
0: And they're both major players, right? Well, Populous major, I know I've looked up and
2: Ascot, yeah. you know, the London um, Olympic uh, facility and many, many more. Todd Grella, who is world-renowned equestrian um, engineer and architect, is you know at the forefront of our project, and so the master planning phase will be done by the end of October. Yeah, you know, permitting and all the things that we have to do from a, a government standpoint to make sure that we're shovel ready, we will start executing some of the activities come right after the first of the year and the early part of eighteen. And right after the races on Memorial Day weekends, Earth will start to move um, or fly, whichever way you want to put it that way. And so we have currently worked out a construction schedule, and we've also worked out a four-star uh, event schedule. And we're very fortunate um, having a organization like Populous on our team. They were part of our bid team. They were They've been a part of this effort for a very long time is that not only are they good at developing and orchestrating these great construction projects in the equestrian space, well, they also have the expertise and knowledge about overlay and how you make it into a quality event space. So in the early go-rounds, uh, Populous will be our partner in helping us deliver the event and making sure that we grow strategically so that when we put on the first event Columbus Day weekend in 2019, we have the right systems in place to ensure that we give a first-class experience to those who are in the equine space. But we also understand that in order for us to hit the threshold by year four or five of where we think we're going to be really at the height of the four star, we need to start engaging a, a viewership that is maybe non-traditional equine um, related. And with us being in the heartbeat of the mid-Atlantic with Washington, D.C. to the south and New York to the north, we realize that our campaign to draw people here has got to be robust robust and energizing, and we got to make Bear Hill the place people want to go. We want to put this as an event that people want to put in their bucket list. You know, Army-Navy is a bucket list event, Super Bowl or Final Fours. Well, we want Fair Hill in the future, the four-star event, to be one of those bucket list events, especially if you live, live along the eastern seaboard here. Train down into Delaware, which is a good strategic partner of ours, and take the 15-minute shuttle ride over. Come onto the grounds, enjoy a great day of equestrian activity, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, and then stay or take that 15-minute shuttle bus ride, get back to the train, and go home. We just want them to come here and experience it. We think we could be at the, the epicenter of helping evolve the equestrian sports industry. And then, like I said, on the grounds, we have other great partners. We have the training center right across, you know, 273. They've been critical to the conversation to ensure that the components that we're putting in marry some of the things that, you know, they want to do in the future. So when you look at all the partners that are at play, 19 is going to be successful but it's really when you look beyond nineteen and you see the next three to five years, it's really you're gonna see how this place really comes together and really morphs into a destination for equine activity.
0: Yeah, and from a from a racing standpoint, Steeplechase Chase standpoint, I know I mean it's it has its one day a year. It's run back in back in the day they ran a few more. The idea of more racing dates appeals to people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and do you see that being a critical part of this as well?
2: We do. And and the reason we do, one as we talked about evolving the track and irrigating it, so the footing is ideal, so people want to put their horses on it and train and or you know race. We have technically we have eight racing dates you know that we can you know, occupy here. Do I ever think we're going to get to eight racing dates? Come I on, think, sure I, you are. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But when it's all said and done, I mean, our goal is to evolve more racing dates so that we can create kind of a systematic year-long engagement activity here at Hill because we'll have the infrastructure, we'll have the water, we'll have the power, we'll have, you know, it'll be a really dynamic special event center. And with that will come the evolution of probably exercising the rights on some of those additional race dates. But we also want to make sure that we leave the flexibility that we don't become one-dimensional, that we are giving multiple disciplines the opportunity to use the developed facility, but we also want to make sure that the other users, the people who call Fair Hill, their their walking zone or their jogging zone or whatever, we want them to have access to the facility too. So we, we don't want to get too big for our bridges where every weekend there's a scheduled activity in in the in the zone, but we want to make sure that those user groups that can take advantage of this really cool place called Fair Hill get a chance to take advantage of it.
0: Yeah, that part's important and also amazing to me that it, that all this sits in such a pristine, you know, natural resource center that's almost 6000 acres and I'm one of those guys with my dog and running and I don't bike as much anymore, but I'm out there in the trails using it as much as anybody and i'm I'm probably out there every day and i grew up just going to the races i never did any of this you know so that to to connect the two while still improving the horse facilities is the best goal anybody could have i think yeah. and you, you see that locally you hear you hear that you know the, i'm still gonna be able to do that and you're like once they realize that they, they buy into it and they buy into the idea of oh yeah how cool would it be to have 10 world-class events here a year type of thing and 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 they, i i think they would People really would love to see that. I think I think it'd be a great it'd be a great thing. And like you said, I think it's all gonna be you'll know two, three, four years down the line, you know, once and it's remember
1: all done. Fair Hill's six thousand acres. The special event zone is about five hundred yeah. acres. So there's still, you know, fifty five hundred acres out there. There's hundred and thirty <laughs> miles of trails on this place, you know. And the special event zone is just hits a few of those miles. So you know, but and you can see how well, and that to me is the real beauty of it. Over with the training center, you know, have the Nature Conservancy over there. You have school bus loads of kids going over there. They see race horses going to the racetrack. Horses hack out through these trails. And I know Graham has talked about Animal Kingdom going out and a deer jumps up in front of him. And it's a little scary, but I guess it didn't bother him. He went and on one the Kentucky Derby. To it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, so... It's really cool. And that's what makes it a really powerful and unique destination is the multi-users and everyone having fun and interacting. You know, the family can come, someone can ride their horse, dad can come and hike, mother can come and bring the dog or vice versa, you know, and everybody just have a great time here. So that's the goal. And It's already happening, but we'll have a special event zone where we can have these world-class events here, which everyone hopefully is going to be really proud of and want to participate in.
0: Yeah, I mean, and making the facility this sort of, while not quite turnkey, but a place where you could just shoot where the event kind of plugs into the facility that's here as opposed to you watch it year after year when they set up for the the Fair Hill International or for the races. It it takes a month to get ready, you know. Temporary uh, structure. Yeah.
2: You right. talk a temporary structure. You're talking about building a city. You need to allude to it. Now you come in. You got you know power that's drawn right to the new grandstand area. You got running water there. So you got all these yeah, access the to it, in Wi-Fi. You can live stream. So all that stuff. When we do the initial infrastructure development, will all be placed in place so that whether it's the races, whether it's the four star in the future, Scottish whether games. it's the Scottish Games or you know we get a future jumping event or we get a you know the timber races and that stuff, you, you have the infrastructure built in and long term we'll keep your overrun costs or your overhead costs down because it's built into the infrastructure and you're not renting generators and you're not renting all these temporary structures. Now, don't get me wrong. We're still going to have a lot of overlay and temporary, but it's all going to be built off the premise of permanent, which then evolves and allows you a better footprint to grow from.
0: Yeah. And it allows you to open it up to somebody to come in and run a, you know, if you've got an event group who knows how to run events- you know, and you've got the facility here. Then, then you can then you can take step two, three, four down the road. And it's
2: also out in a better exposed area that so it can be seen um, when these things happen. People coming down 273 and the like, we'll see that there's action going on. It's going to get maybe that novice, you know, transient person saying, "Hey, maybe I should stop in there and see what's going on." Where, like I said, the three-star event, a lot of history, a lot of culture behind that event, and we're excited for what they're doing this weekend, and we're excited for what they're going to do next year and the years beyond with, with it as well. But it brings it out, and so it com- comes a little bit more mainstream because people can see it. Right now, as we alluded to, it's kind of tucked away, and it's in this little piece of heaven out there. You know, we're moving heaven over to the special event zone.
0: Yeah. What does um What does success look like five years from now? Where are we?
2: Well, I think five years from now, I think the renderings that we initially put out in our proposal are coming to reality. You're going to see the multiple overlay uh, bleacher structure. You're going to see the hospitality pavilions out near the, the new uh, retention pond. You're going to see a very engaged community coming together. You're going to see people traveling down by train and or by vehicle you know, to get down here. You're going to see 80 plus thousand people over the course of the weekend calling Bear Hill their destination of choice. Um, We're going to be over the top of Columbus Day weekend, three-day weekend, um, so more people can take advantage of the activities. And you're going to see this thing really turn into a really strong festival. You know, we're hoping that through the years we're going to be able to evolve the Bender Village to become more of a not just equestrian-based shopping, but some of the, you know, getting the arts community involved and having that type of thing out in the Bender Village as people make their way into the venue. So we see this thing growing into being a... A three to four day must be. It's the place you're seeing. It's the place you go. It's the place you get that really cool
0: novel type Christmas
2: gift or holiday gift that you want to give to your family and friends. And they did it here at Fair Hill.
0: Yeah, and from um, from the Steeplechase side or horse racing side, uh, we're we're seeing again better quality racing. Maybe whatever two, three, four days a year instead of one. And well, you're
2: seeing you're, you're seeing the the slate of races having a full slate. You're seeing you know more horses wanting to enter because the footing will be superior because of the irrigation system. People want to come here. It, the National Steeplechase Association calls this home. We want them to be proud that they're putting on activities and event in a place they call home, and they're not always outside of market. So bringing them back to where we brought them 30 years ago, hosting you know, main events right outside their, their back door. Um, that's really exciting, having the training center and watching some of the marquee horses come come across and use the turf course to, to train on and to, you know, get ready for some of the big stake races. So a lot of things, I think, will bring a lot of energy and, and synergies between some of the groups that are here, but also expose us to opportunities we haven't even been able to talk about because we didn't have the venue to do it.
0: Right. Yeah, that and that part's amazing. The, the horses that train at the training center now, you routinely see them run against each other at Belmont Park or in Kentucky or somewhere else or whatever. And you're like yeah, someday they'll run right here, you know. Which well, how would about, be great. You know,
1: we could have a Fair Hill trials like they have at Aiken on the turf course, and with two-year-olds in the spring. I mean, there's all sorts of racing possibilities here. Internationals steeplechase maybe, we could host back here again. You know, we did the Breeders' Cup back in the 80s, and we'll just have the facility that will be able to go out and even recruit opportunities to come here. Tryon's got the World Equestrian Games next year. If this is all built and is going to be as nice, or I dare say maybe better than Tryon, what's to prevent a World Equestrian Games here at some point? I may be dead at that point, (laughs) but we're really doing it for your kids and Everybody's kids. The whole thing is to sustain the horse industry in this region, the state of Maryland, for all those kids that are coming along now that love horses. And we see it. Look at Woodge Fulton. She's 21, grew up in Finksburg, Maryland, in one of our licensed stables, her parents. And now she's riding at Burley. I mean, that's what this is all about. And um, so it's
2: quite exciting.
0: Yeah, no, it's fun. Uh, And you you touched on it briefly about the foundation. Obviously, it's going to take a lot of money. Uh, how's all this going to get paid for?
2: Well, currently, um, we are working with the Fairhill Foundation. We have set some targeted goals based off the original scope of the project. The master planning, when it's done, will give us the true definitive cost of what the overall project and all the phases will cost. And it's truly going to be a public-private partnership. Um, the private sector has been phenomenal. They've been so helpful. And, you know, because of the enthusiasm that you probably hear from you know, from Ross and I, you know it's kind of contagious, and people realize that we're actually moving forward with this. This is not just conversation anymore. This is a a moving sure sale. the uh, moving <laughs> physical product that has got to be delivered because we want a very great opportunity. But that's only one part of the, the puzzle. There's so many other activities that are are going to be benefited because of of that that one victory. That the, the private sector is stepping up and, and raising the capital right now to meet the the public's after 50-50 in this arrangement, and those conversations are continuing, and they're getting stronger and stronger because there's a sense that this is reality now. And um, we met the first, you know, funding phase to get the master planning and the economic study done, which is, like I said, we're currently in, you know, they're right on track to meet their first uh, milestone, which is the end of the calendar year, um, you know, in the private sector, and we're working currently with our legislative strategy to evolve the public side during this current upcoming legislative session. To ensure that all the public dollars are there to match the private sector dollars. So it's private on the front end with the public coming in midway and kind of closing it out at the end. But great partners all the way around and a lot of energy and a lot of excitement about this. And I'm just proud to be a part of this whole effort because something that was a conversation probably 10, 15 years ago is now getting close to shovel ready. And to be a part of that is pretty phenomenal.
0: Yeah, you're not even the horse guy. Ross and I, <laughs> we're the horse guys. Somehow you're you got connected to all you this. You know horse guy. <laughs> yeah, hey. You know, I, I did I did
2: World of Question Games to Kentucky. So, I mean, I I, I I know enough to be dangerous, but I'm not as entrenched in understanding as the two of you might be, but I'm getting there because every day I'm learning.
0: You know, a that's l- probably fine. It Might nuance. be better.
2: <laughs> Someone told me that once: just yeah. be close, but don't get don't too close. Get too close.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Excellent advice. Well, thank you very much for the update, and uh, um, continue. Good luck with it, and and we can't wait to see it. And uh, uh, I think the world of steeplechasing, eventing, and every other horse side of this is uh, is very excited about it, and uh, and thrilled to be a part of it. Yep. So thanks Features for your time. is what we make it. Yep. Hosted by Joe Clancy, Jumping Around is a production of ThisIsHorseRacing.com. Special thanks to Charlie Fenwick, Howling Wolf Recording Studio, and the Thoroughbred Racing Protective Bureau for providing the setting for this interview.